Hi, welcome to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez and I'm here today with Regina Mustafa. How you doing, Regina? I'm very, very well. Thank you for having me. Regina, yes. we were fortunate to be in the same uh, ceremony this past December. Yes. And you look really surprised. Were you surprised when you got that award? Can you share with our friends what kind of award do you got? Uh, this past December, I received the Mayor's Medal of Honor, the Mayor Award, from Mayor Ardell Brady, okay. Mayor of Rochester. So, yeah. And it was to regarding the service the or the conversation. Can you share a little bit what was? Uh, yeah, the award basically was to acknowledge the interfaith work that I've been doing since the, the founding of my interfaith nonprofit organization, uh, CIDI, Community Interfaith Dialogue on Islam, or I call it CIDI, uh, which I formed in the in September of 2014. And um, what what is, what was I don't know what did what did it get you there? What did you know to decide to create this venue or organization? Well, well around that time the atrocities committed by the group ISIS, okay. Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, was really gaining a lot of notoriety and, and attention in the media, and you know, rightly so, because of how horrific mm -hmm. their actions are. And couple, you couple that with the rising sentiment of Islamophobia in the West, which is a fear or a irrational fear or anxiety of Muslims and Islam. All these things kind of boiling up at the same time, I felt that Rochester really needed a Muslim-based organization that proactively deals with and creates interfaith dialogue. Um, I felt that a lot of Muslims, there are many Muslims and, and here in Rochester who have been doing interfaith work for years, mm -hmm. but I felt there needed to be organization that just handled interfaith work and outreach and you know, creating opportunities for at what at times can be very difficult conversations to have, conversations about religion, mm -hmm. differences of religion and similarities. And so, yeah, that's why I, I formed the organization. How was that first, uh, that first uh, conversation that you had? Well, can, I, you, can you describe it to, to our friends? Yeah. How did this happen and where location and all that? So they can, you Well, know. originally the first event that I held was in September of 2014, and it was held on the grounds of the Calvary Episcopal Church right here in downtown Rochester. And the event was called uh, ISIS is not, oh, ISIS is not um, Islam, um, a call against, um, a call for interfaith acceptance. And actually recently I, I have moved, I have moved away from Actually, no, uh, ISIS is not Islam. It was a call for tolerance. And now I don't use the word tolerance anymore because tolerate really, it really gives off this, this feeling that it's something that you don't like, but you have to live with. So now I am much more, I use the word acceptance a mm -hmm. lot more. But anyway, in that, in that first event that I had, I had uh, Muslims there to read verses from the Quran and other uh, Muslim teachings that deal with acceptance, that deal with accepting people who are not Muslim. Mm -hmm. And then I had also invited members of other religious faiths to also share words from their scriptures or their holy books that also deal with uh, interfaith acceptance. And once that event drew near, I realized that, okay, th this is 
this is something I need to have on a very regular basis. So in December of 2014, I created the talk show uh, called The Faith Talk Show, which is held monthly at the Rochester Public Library. It's not a radio show. It's a live streamed show that is that is live streamed through the city of Rochester media website. But then I also have a YouTube channel where I house all the previous episodes. So I just thought that, you know, with my organization, I I wanted to do something different. I want to do something fun, Um, you know, panels and Mm -hmm. PowerPoint presentations on Islam. They are very well needed. But I felt that I, I wanted something to go beyond that, something that really created a relaxed talk show environment so it could yeah. be entertaining. What is the most popular question or the most frequent question during your talk shows, uh, your presentation, that you get from the public? Well, I would say the most frequent question that I get, whether it be during the Q&A session at mm-hmm. the end of each talk show or even during one of my classes that I teach on Islam, is are women and men in Islam equal? Uh, explain certain verses from the Quran. Why do Muslims then um, use the Quran to justify their violent actions? Mm-hmm. So questions about violence in Islam and the status of women on Islam are my two most popular questions. Okay. And uh, another question I want to ask you. You're from Philadelphia, correct? Yes. Born, born and raised in Philadelphia. Yes. And, and you mentioned to me before that you've been here almost for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, 11 years. What brought you to the Midwest? My husband lives out here. Okay. You guys met here <laughs> or met down there? Uh, yeah. Well, I let's just say we met through a mutual friend. Okay. And my husband um, was working at Winona State at the time. Okay. So that's what brought us out here, brought me out here okay. to Minnesota. And uh I've grown to really love Minnesota a lot, especially Rochester. How big is the Muslim community in the in Philadelphia? That's a good question. I really don't know. Okay. I don't know that. Um, I wasn't when I was living in Philadelphia. I really didn't do much interfaith work. Okay. I really don't know those numbers. That's a really good question. I know the numbers here in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, about ten thousand, ten to twelve thousand Muslims. Okay. And seventy to eighty percent are Somali. I do know that in Philadelphia, you have a much more diverse Muslim population. Um, you definitely have more Muslims there who are um, Middle Eastern descent. Also, African-American Muslims there mm-hmm. as well make up a great number of the Muslims. But you really have a, a huge diversity. Do you grow up as Muslim? Uh, or you learn, you learn, you convert? Uh, Is that I the d- word that you said? Convert yeah, that's, I embraced Islam. Okay. Um, I raised this about 15 years ago. Okay. So, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's fascinating because uh, being uh, born and raised in Mexico, mm. we, you know, the most, the biggest religion is uh, Roman Catholic. Right. But it's, it has a lot of influence from the native natives uh, from Mexico. Right. So a lot of uh, customs, a lot of... Uh, and I guess the church did it that way, where they mix both of the religions and beliefs to, to so what we we know now as a, as a Roman Catholic church in, in Mexico is probably different than the one in, uh, probably has a lot of similar, similar things like the rest of Latin Americans, but it has a lot of things, just right. the, you know, the native influence. Right. So... 
Yeah, you're going to find that in Islam. I think you're going to find that in any world religion. Mm-hmm. That it's just inevitable that you are going to have local customs that really have nothing to do with the religion itself that are going to influence the way that religion is interpreted. Like you said, the way maybe a Mexican practices Catholicism yeah. might be a little different than the way an Italian mm-hmm. practices Catholicism. And, uh, I mean, I've lived abroad. I've seen um, cultural influences definitely um, shape and mold the way certain practices are, are, are carried out. And definitely within the Muslim community, you know, that's why, let's say, you know, I'm not Somali. Mm-hmm. So I can relate to a Somali Muslim in that we we share the same religion, but there are cultural, you know, the Somali culture is is I don't totally understand it. I'm not Somali, and mm-hmm. that's actually something that I am currently working on is understanding the Somali culture better. Uh, but I think that's a challenge for anybody if you truly want to live the true teachings of your religion that you have to really examine your cultural practices and, and, and discover which ones are in line with that religious tradition mm-hmm. and which ones are not. And the ones that are not, you know, you have to work on maybe, you know, are you are you going to practice your culture or are you going to practice your, your religion? What was your favorite thing that really brought you, like, that you said, like, oh, I love this about, about um, Islam? When I read the Quran for the first time, the Quran is the uh, holy book in mm-hmm. Islam, it just spoke to me for me personally it, mm-hmm. it answered a lot of my questions and uh so I, I do get asked that question a lot what was it about the quran that uh and i just say that no but but, but i just uh, say uh, one thing that you said like oh i love this about the quran i loved its uh simplicity okay to me i found simpli- simplicity in it but yeah a powerful simplicity and you know, like I tell people, you know, my holy, it spoke to me just like I'm sure the Bible speaks to you or, you know, another holy book speaks to somebody mm-hmm. else or it should. Yeah. Uh, so that that's it. You know, um, question. Yeah. Uh, do you the woman, those women also made the pilgrim to to Mecca? The pilgrimage to Mecca. Yes. Also women. Do yeah. The... That's one of the five pillars of okay. Islam is the pilgrimage to Mecca and that's required in a Muslim's uh, for a Muslim to do it at least once in their life mm-hmm. man or a woman if they are physically and financially capable yeah I know uh, I, only I have seen, not done it yet oh it looks it looks incredible yes yeah I bet it's a it's quite an expensive you know, trip I bet yeah if, you know if you live in the opposite side of the world especially yeah it's expensive um what was the topic last the last topic that you cover at your talk show what so was your, who January, was your guest? Because you usually have somebody, a guest, right? Yep. Each each month, I have a guest from a different religion or faith tradition. Oh. So the, the, the topic of the show is not necessarily my religion. I'm Correct. a host. I just happen to be Muslim. Now, when I do You're have... You're just a, the, the host in this Right. Case. Now, if I have a guest that's Muslim, mm-hmm. and I've only had only four shows, actually, in over 24 shows. Only four have dealt specifically with Islam. Uh, so last month in January, I had Regina Seabrook. Who, oh, yeah. who uh-huh. worked with the Rochester Public Schools, and she's a longtime uh, educator known throughout the state. Mm-hmm. And she is a member of the Mount Olive Lutheran Church. And she is now getting into a lot of uh, diversity work that the, that the ELCA, which uh, Mount Olive is a member of the Evangelical Lutheran um, Church's 
of America. I believe that's what ELC is. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing some of the posters. Yeah. So the promos, what was it, Regina? Regina versus Regina. Regina yeah. That was that was the first. <laughs> so she, she definitely spoke about the need for uh, whether it be interfaith relations or um, equity inc and inclusion in the school systems, which is her background, how the, we have such a need for making face-to-face -face conversations, uh, creating relationships with one another. Um, we're in a dire situation, and that's what we need. That's what's needed, more one-on-one -on -one conversations and meeting people where they are. So that's, that's what she really spoke to. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to switch a little bit the, the topic uh, hear the conversation um, for friends who are listening and you also belong a part part of other community with your vision and impediment yes and you use the transportation public transportation yes I do well thank you for bringing that up yeah. I don't usually get asked about that yeah and, and I mean it's amazing and with all the changes that is happening here in Rochester yeah. and the input that is uh, they're trying to get for for the transportation and how can we make a city more effective? Any input recommendation or the at least with yours? I mean, right. while you go in in the daily? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, moving, getting around. Yeah, so I, I am legally blind. I have no central vision, so I only have the peripheral, or the outside vision. So, mm -hmm. yes, I do rely on buses, and so increased. Uh, it, it's, it really is a huge need um, to have buses that are more frequent, mm -hmm. that don't just cater to Mayo employees. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a part-time Mayo employee, but mm -hmm. um, I certainly am engaged in a lot of other things that are outside of that. And um, I think buses need to run on Sundays. That would be a huge help. Uh, the bus in my area, in the Northwest area, doesn't run on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. So other buses run on Saturdays, but that one does not. I mean... To my understanding, we didn't even have a bus route in my area at all, even six years ago. So okay. it is a blessing that a bus does go into that area now. But definitely we need we need more. Um, I'm super excited that Uber is available. now, yeah. yep, soon to be available. Mm -hmm. I was really behind that. And I am, you know, because Great. taxis, um, I have much respect for both companies. But for instance, taking a taxi from where I am northwest to get downtown, it's about $30. And that doesn't include tip. And there have been times, but because of the bus, mm -hmm. um, I've had to take a taxi, and it's it's ridiculous. It's like um, my it's like there goes my paycheck, mm -hmm. um, right right for there. And so it's it's extremely important. I know the city council just yesterday discussed um, transportation plans and how it's going to coincide with DMC plans downtown. And I I definitely like plans that make it pedestrian friendly that puts the pedestrian first. first yep. uh, when I used to live close to downtown, uh, I would walk, it took me like a 10 minute walk. And it seems from a visual standpoint, some of the cross lights are bigger than others for the walk lights. Mm. And I would love for them to be bigger because especially as you start to go out from downtown, they're not so big anymore. And especially on a sunny, a very sunny day, it's almost impossible to see them. And they don't all have the audio okay. voice the telling you the timer. Yep. Um, so and all those changes are, are, are really, really needed. How's your really vision dur during the evening when it's getting dark? Oh, it's even worse. 
Okay. Well, you know, in terms of seeing those lights, actually, it's easier. Well, in yeah. the dark. Um, but overall, yeah, my night. Well, let's say is about your neighborhood when you need to walk to the bus stop. If yeah, it's, it's dark. It's it's very tricky, especially now icy sidewalks. It's very difficult for me oh. to see um, the ice. Like I, I take I have classes here at night downtown, mm -hmm. and just walk into my bus stop at at night. Um, yeah, it's it's very tricky. So, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm great for the changes that are going to come with transportation. Um, question. Yeah. And this is just me. Want to get to know you. <laughs> this is just Miguel. Since, yeah, since you're from Philadelphia. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Philly sandwich? Yeah, everybody says. That you will bring, let's say, somebody come visit Philadelphia. I would get a hoagie. You know, over in the East Coast, they're called hoagies. Okay. But out over here, you call them subs. Philadelphia area called hoagies. Steak sandwiches are great, but I'm not a big meat eater. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I could recommend a couple places if you want to get a cheesesteak, but um, uh, I, I like a good hoagie. How, how's the weather <laughs> in, in Philadelphia compared to oh, it's, this it area, is the Midwest? It is, I mean, the east coast of Philadelphia, it can get cold, but I would say typically the coldest day in the winter that you would have in Philadelphia would be maybe in the low 20s. I don't ever recall growing up that the temperature ever went into the negatives or even in the single digits. No. no. So you could get dumped with snow So the spring there. comes when the springs come on yeah. March. Oh yeah, definitely. And you could get dumped with snow over there on the East Coast, but the thing is the next day it'll get warmer again and it'll rain and the snow is gone. Whereas here you get dumped with snow in December. Mm -hmm. That same snow actually could still be on your lawn <laughs> come March. <laughs> May. <laughs> that Or May. That's, yeah, that's the difference. It never gets quite as cold okay. as it does here. Yeah. How was your, <laughs> your childhood growing up in oh. Philadelphia? When did you start getting problems well, with your, yeah. with your vision? I started losing my vision when I was 17. Okay. And that just began with having difficulty seeing what was written on the board, you know, in high school. And I went and I got glasses and just thought I needed glasses like anybody else. But then I would notice each year uh, when I would go to my optometrist, my eyeglass prescription got stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. And like a month later, after getting a new prescription, I would I would already be squinting in my glasses. And uh, it wasn't until towards I was finishing up college, actually that I noticed it getting worse and worse and I was having trouble driving at night and my depth perception and all that was off. And I went to the optometrist and by this time I was ready to graduate college and he said, you really need to see a retinal specialist because something's going on and I don't know what it is. And sure enough, the retinal specialist uh, performed all these tests and he diagnosed me with Stargardt's disease, which is juvenile macular degeneration. So like with age-related macular so degeneration- yeah, it's hereditary. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's an autosomal recessive disorder. So both of my parents are carriers of the gene, but they're not affected. Oh, okay. And then each of their children has a 25% chance of being affected. So my parents had no idea they were the carriers. Siblings? Yeah, I do have siblings. They have two older brothers, but they don't have it. Okay. Uh, but they have a 50% chance that they carry the gene. Okay. So the only way you can pass it on to your children if both parents mm. have it. So... Um, yeah, my everybody. I, I was in shock. My parents were in shock. They had no clue that they carried this gene. So by that time, my visual acuity, when I was diagnosed, was about a uh, twenty eighty, and legal blindness is twenty two hundred. 
So mm. now my vision is 2400. Um, even like sometimes I might wear a pair of glasses. It helps maybe a little bit kind of sharpen up mm-hmm. kind of the edges, but I actually don't Does have anything on right notice now. notice them? Does your sons? Yeah, they, oh yeah, they, they know mommy has a, uh, mommy can see certain things and as they've gotten they older. They find stuff for you now? They're helping yeah, now that at that age? Yes. Now with my son that he's can read, um, mm-hmm. you know, downtown, let's say if we're getting on the bus to go back home, I'm like, what does that, what bus number is that? Because I can't read it, the bus coming. And he'll tell me or uh, if there's, there's a certain sign somewhere, I can actually get the kids actually to help me now. And they know, for instance, if they want to show me something that they can't just hold it up from across the room they actually have to come up to mommy close very close and show it to me so they're getting used to that have you considered um uh side dog uh, i am not at that point where i would need um i mean uh, a cni dog mm-hmm. uh i do have a white cane and the usually the only time i use the white cane is if i'm traveling alone like through an airport okay Um, because before I have one, so like large objects and such, I don't, I can see mm-hmm. for the most part. Now, like, let's say going down a staircase for the first time, if I'm not used to that staircase, yeah. I have to take it very slow because it, it's hard to, yeah, the perception, exactly. Um, but a white cane, like for instance, one time um, I was in an airport and they changed the gate where my, where my flight was leaving and I didn't hear the announcement. Oh, so I was in line. I mean, I, I'm sure they wouldn't have, le- they would have looked at my ticket. But I was in line, and I'm like, something doesn't feel right. And I asked the person behind me, I'm like, is this going to Rochester? They're like, no, it's going to La Crosse, Wisconsin. I'm like, oh, you know, and I quickly had to find. So now I, because okay. all those signs, like when you're at the gate where it tells you where mm-hmm. you're destined, I can't read any of that. Okay. So. What about <laughs> a menu? Let's say if you go to. Uh, no. No. Nope. Or those like in the fast food. No, I can't same. read them. No. Nope too far no too, too. right right so if i feel bold enough i will and it's not too busy in line i will say to the person who's working uh, look i have a visual disability mm-hmm. can you tell me what kind of ingredients you know or, yeah right describe it what's your special today or whatever um you know if it's an established restaurant before i go to eat there i'll go online and see if they have the menu posted mm-hmm. so then i'll look online okay and you know and then i'll know by the time i get there but yeah that's always That's always a hurdle. Have um, you participated in any research for your vision and that type of? No, um, no. I mean, I have. I've seen an uh, ophthalmologist here at Mayo. Okay. But they don't really seem that. As far as I know, they don't have research going on with retina, retinal degenerative diseases. Mm-hmm. There are other places in the states that, like Will's Eye, actually in Philadelphia, is a renowned eye hospital uh there are other places i think that are probably better to go to for have you felt any of their of your senses being more sharp oh my hearing for sure yes when i cross the street i don't look for cars i listen for the cars and i always say my my death will be i'll get hit by an electric car because they're so quiet (laughs) i know (laughs) i read (laughs) wow yeah my uh I would say heightened sense of hearing and Do you smell. play any instruments? I play the violin. Oh. I took that up four years ago. Okay. Four and a half years ago. Was it hard? Uh, 
Uh, well, I think taking up any instrument for the first time is, is difficult. Um, yeah. But I was taught with a Suzuki method, and that utilizes your ear, your ear, which I thought was perfect for me. Um, and actually, I thought I did. I was taking private lessons, and I thought I did quite good for okay. a beginner, and I still keep up with it. But then, you know, you open up a thing of sheet music. It's almost like I have to memorize mm-hmm. it and then play it, because I can't play and follow along with sheet music because I can't see can't it. can't read it. No, yeah. it's too far away. Like, I would have to have it. Super close. Super close. That's So with I like the Suzuki method because it you memorize it by ear, and then, but I can read sheet music. Okay. Yeah. Tell me what is the next um the next when you have your next um talk show and what topic what, who who are you gonna have in? Yes, yeah, so twenty seventeen I am trying to take the Faith Talk Show out of Rochester, at least for some of the months, and try something new. So in February I will be in St. Cloud. I will be arriving hopefully uh, on Friday, February There is a good uh, Muslim population yes. there in St. Cloud. You know, with St. Cloud, you hear a lot of, unfortunately, negative stories coming out of St. Cloud about the Somali Muslim community and, and the non-Muslim community are, and their friction. Okay. Um, especially we had last year, you had that attack at that crossroads yeah. mall in, in St. Cloud. Um, so I really want to take the show there. So I will be at the great... River Regional Library in St. Cloud on Saturday, February 18th, and the show will be 1230 to 145, and I will have a local Somali woman there, Ayan Omar. She did, she, February 18th? February 18th, okay. 1230 to 145. And Ayan Omar, she is an educator in St. Cloud, and she has also done a lot of interfaith work and trying to really build bridges with the community there, so she'll be on the show as well, and I am currently working on getting other guests on the show as well from members of the other um you know other communities christian community as well and beyond the show i hope to use that weekend while i'm there just to speak one-on-one with really as many people as i can so it's a big initiative to take the show outside of rochester and it's kind of a gamble because i don't know the space there in the library and i haven't been there so well, See, it'll be an adventure. Well, it's always good to change. Yes. Get out. Yeah, I think. Yes, I, I think and, I can and, always and gain grow. something and grow. Yeah. Even if I at least talk to one person and see, you know, are these stories really true? Because it seems that it's interfaith relations seems to be more negative than not. Is that true, or is the media hyping it up? You know, mm-hmm. where, where are the common feelings from non-Muslims about the Somali community, you know? Yeah. So I want to see firsthand what it's what's going on up there and really kind of compare it to what we have going on here in Rochester. Great. Yeah. What else would you like to see happening here in Rochester? You know, positive. Positive. Yeah. Well, I... I would like to see more community space downtown that celebrates different cultures and celebrates arts. I would like, uh, with all the changes that are going downtown, I I would really want there to be uh, an emphasis about the normal people that live here every day. Um, Often the people who feel marginalized and feel that they don't quite have a place downtown to express themselves. 
Uh, I don't want the DMC to lose out on a lot of the grassroots efforts and, and, and arts and, and culture initiatives. And I like, for instance, with the armory building, I really hope that is designated as a community yeah. space. And for our friends who are listening, um, the armory it used to be the home of the senior center. Yeah. Sen- senior center, correct? Yep. And they moved to a new location. Yeah. So now they're going to use this space for um, multiple agencies well, or organizations who Well, the non-profits. city council is still, oh, still undecided about it. They're torn on whether to sell it or open okay. it up for offers or to keep it. and For grassroots organizations? Yeah. And uh, the plan... The, the, so far, for for the latter, the only pro- proposal that's been out is the arts and cultural initiative to use it as a community center for uh, culture and the arts. I think there'll be a tremendous benefit, uh, especially now more than ever, when we really, in such a divided nation, I think on the national level and even on the local, mm-hmm. state level, any kind of efforts that we can have to create opportunities um, you know, inexpensive spaces for people to come together and share their culture, for everyone to feel that they have a say in the community is so important, so vital. So I will get behind any effort uh, in the downtown area that's for that. And it all ties in again with the, with the transportation. Correct. And having an affordable, reliable, efficient transportation. Which other initiatives do you collaborate or participate with? Uh, or organizations. <laughs> I know you're a lover. Well, I'm on. I serve on the City of Rochester Ethical Practices Board, and also the Olmsted County uh, Human Rights Commission. So that, you know, really. Who can you, come and take advantage of that agency? Oh. Well, the Olmsted County Human Rights Commission. We have meetings the third Thursday of each month, and they're held at City Hall, usually in Room 104, and they're open to the public. Okay. Uh, we handle, we cover all kinds of issues from from sex trafficking to to uh, women's rights, you know, um, concerns about um, discrimination in terms of somebody's renting and they're being discriminated against. Uh, that's a tremendous resource that people okay. can use, and I think that's a great way for people to get involved. There's there's tons of opportunities for people to get involved in the city or in the county. Uh, I think it's everyone's duty to find something that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. You can't do everything, but find something you're passionate about, something you're you're really good at, okay. and put it towards the community. Yeah. Well, talking about that, I want to share with you. Uh, do you ride bicycles still, or no? Uh, I used I used to I used to uh yeah. It's, well, it's, I have two young kids. It's, yeah. it's hard to get out on a bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How's Ali? He's is good. He, is he is he riding now? Yeah. He, he yeah. Okay. It's, it's hard now with all the ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let me tell you. So we I'm organizing a a blizzard ride. So a blizzard ride is going to take place uh, this Sunday, the 29th, January 29th, at the People's Co-op. We're going to start there. Uh, people's gonna sign up uh, at the people's co-op, and we're gonna go to five locations, and we're gonna do activities in each location, games, um, oh. and this is for um, uh, a bicycle community club. The I'm part of it, and we donate bicycles to youth who needs a bicycle, and for adults who need a bicycle as a transportation. 
and this is our third year doing it. It's part of the Winterfest. Oh, okay. It's called it's called Blizzard Ride. Yeah. Twenty seventeen, and so we're gonna stop at the, like I say, uh, we're gonna start at the People's Co-op, and then we go to the, um, to the Community Bike Club, which is located behind the Senior Center that we were talking about. Yeah. Right on behind on the alley. Yeah. Ga- garage one seventeen, and then from there we go, to one of the local bike shops. Uh, to Bob's Bike Shop. Uh, the name of the store is Bicycle Sports, and there's going to be some trivia in there. And uh-huh. then we're going to go to three local breweries uh-huh. here in town. Uh, and there is games in each brewery and uh, <laughs> in a celebration. Uh-huh. And then uh, we end in at the forgery. We're okay. going to be... Uh, uh, we're going to give some prizes for... We're going to be keeping points and scores for each... Uh, place and and it's open to the public to all levels you don't have to have a, a fat tire bike you can be just in your regular bike mm. and uh what we recommend is just take some air uh the tire so it's a little bit more squishy a little more uh surface you know uh. but other than that you can just ride on your regular bike the, and those fat tire bikes they're really great on the ice and snow yeah, this, are they? Is, they're more. I've seen them, but I yeah, just wasn't sure. Yeah, they're. Oh yeah, it makes sense. It's, but, it, yeah, uh, it's, it's better for this type of weather. Yeah. For these conditions, but uh, mm. you can do it just with your regular bike. Uh, just get some air out, and then to have more control, more stable, and uh, it's fun. Like oh. again, all levels. You don't have to have a fire tire. This could be your first time. It's only five miles, right. so it's doable and yeah. it's fun. And we decided this weekend because in the past, um, well, especially this weekend for people who watch football, there is nothing going on. It's between the week before the Super Bowl, so oh, it's nothing going on, and yeah. and we usually get good turnout. So we, I just want to invite you and and everybody who's listening to take advantage of this. Come to the People's Co-op uh, or look on Facebook for Blizzard Ride 2017, and you'll find that on on Facebook on pages. Uh, it's a twenty dollar uh, deductible that it goes to the to the bike club to help us buy. Uh, so to each bicycle that we donate, we give helmets, locks, um, and the bike, of course. Right. So and lights also. Oh, that's very important. Yeah, especially for the kids who are uh, riding at night. Yeah. And we we try to do we do this through the school year. Uh, especially in the summer. So we the club is open to the public from April until November. And then uh, everybody can come and, and fix their bikes. We had the right tools, and if they need a piece, we donate that to whoever needs that. Uh, mm. um, so, again, this Sunday, the 29th, at the People's Co-op, come check it out. So, Regina. Yes. When is going to be the next show here in Rochester, the Rochester Public Library? Yeah, so the next show, uh, the the March show, one. Yep, yeah, that'll be back in Rochester at the library on March Thursday, March second, and at its usual time Thursday evening from six thirty to seven thirty in okay. the auditorium at the library. And in March, I will have interfaith couples. Okay. So couples, I oh, I have okay. one couple set. I'm hoping to have another couple, so a total of four, and then myself. 
So couples who are of not the same religious tradition, I would love to have them on the show so they could give us their words of wisdom of how they make their relationship Great. work despite their religious differences. I have friends who... Well, if you have anybody who is interested in <laughs> such a public okay. format... Just to share the experience. Share their experiences, yes. Um, please get in touch with me. I am looking for uh, one more couple. Uh, the couple that I have in mind, let's see. I believe he, uh, one of them is Jewish and the other one is of the Episcopal tradition. Okay. So especially if there is a couple that represents two other mm-hmm. religious traditions, that would be a really great, fun, I think an informative show. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, also I think somebody here from work, um, you know, if they're near American and mm. they practice a lot of tradition of Native American traditions, yes. which is they see as a tradition more than the religion, the whole. Right. That would be fantastic because I have not had anybody on my show yet that practices Native American traditions mm-hmm. in terms of For spirit- spirituality. Yes, that would be awesome. Yeah, and, and a lot of them also, no, I don't want to say a lot of them, but a lot of people also practice other religion. Right. But actually, that since I haven't had anybody from that tradition on the show yet, that deserves actually its own totally mm-hmm. its own show to mm-hmm. allow enough time. But if the person is interested in the the couple's show, that's an option. Where can people find your videos? What is the name of the channel on YouTube? Well, if you type in C I D I, or type it out Community Interfaith Dialogue on Islam, okay, you'll find the page. Also, if you go to www.cidimn.org you will see the YouTube icon there. Do you have a Facebook page also for the city? City? Yep. You can find City on On Facebook. Okay. Yep. And there's a Twitter account um, on Google as well. Already. So I'm going to be posting (laughs) on the page, on the, on our website, on go on smartrightnetwork.net. And you're going to find all these links to Regina's uh, group. Yeah. No, group or to your page or to your organization. So they can find out about the videos, about when is the next next shows. And uh, on my website, it also provides basic information about Islam. Okay. And links to larger Muslim organizations in the United States that already have much further detailed yeah. information and or if somebody wants to volunteer they can contact absolutely. you absolutely i'm always looking for volunteers or uh collaborative ideas uh this work is definitely better when we work together as a community it's people ask me um do you have a membership do you have a regular i said no as if you support my work you yeah sure you you're a member a, if you want to make a change if you want to make a change anybody's interested uh, any ideas uh, some of the best endeavors that my organization does is, is actually working together with other people. So um, in my talk shows, I can't do that with on my own. Uh, the guests really make that show. Correct. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's all a community endeavor, and I am all for religious education flowing in all directions, Muslims learning about non-Islamic traditions and non-Muslims learning a little more about uh, Islam, because we're all living here together. All our traditions are beautiful, and they deserve to be respected. And the last thing I would want anybody to think that I'm doing is proselytizing, which I'm not. What does that mean? You know, trying to push my faith on somebody oh. else. 
Yeah, that's the last thing I would ever want anybody to think I'm doing. <laughs> but, you know, it's you, there's yeah. a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, yeah. So it's just it's just the beginning. Thank you, Regina, for all the work that you do, because <laughs> this you, this makes Rochester richer in a sense of community. And like you said, just keep it, the doors open for dialogue. That's the most important and respect each other. Uh, anything else that would you like to add? No. Anything else that we need to no. <laughs> share with the community from the community here in the community board podcast? No, I, I have a, I think I have a few more surprises up my sleeve. I always like to have surprises up my sleeve. I, you know, last year I did the hijab for a day event at the Rochester Civic yeah, Theater, which was uh, sponsored through the Rochester Downtown Alliance Startup Grant for the Arts. Describe it to our friends. How yeah, was it? That was, that was fantastic. We had the Rochester Civic Theater. It was a multimedia event. Over 200 people came. Mm-hmm. It was live perform live original music, spoken word performances, uh, documentaries, followed by a community question and answer session. I am hoping to not have another hijab or headscarf related piece, mm-hmm. but something to do with interfaith relations. Another big um, so kind the, of the fun event interactive. on stage. Okay, uh, I'm hoping to. I love I love using stage performances and 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 drama and theater. I love using those tools to kind of get my message across. Oh. So I'm looking to do another huge event like that this year, possibly again through the RDA grant or some other means of. So of at that event. Did the woman wear the hijab? Yeah, they did. For I a, had for, for a, four women who wore the wore the hijab, the headscarf, for a day or more than a day. And Dawn Sanborn, who was the videographer that we worked with, she followed them around and and then created these. And then they came and shared their... Yeah, exactly. Yep. What was their feedback? It was very positive. You know, the whole... The whole, ex- the whole experiment was not about to see, oh, you know, we think they're going to get this awful response from mm-hmm. the people of Rochester. Look look how non-Muslims hate us. It wasn't really about how people perceived these four women. It's how the four women perceived themselves and how, um, how the covering one's hair can actually be a very powerful thing. And it brought out all kinds of issues that we didn't even expect, issues with body image, what is beauty? The over over sexualization of women's bodies in the West, um, sexism, um, rape, all these issues, uh, eating disorders, all these issues came out. Issues that all women deal with, to- and it's totally unrelated to the hijab or not. But the action of wearing this hijab and these women questioning, are they attractive or not, or questioning their own identity, brought out a plethora of all other feminine topics and it was just really a powerful powerful evening so I would love to follow that up with another huge project like that again this year I'm hoping for maybe in the spring that would be great we'll see please stop by <laughs> and uh, we'll help you you know do a little promotion here and yeah. uh, that would be great to have a, probably bring the microphones and have a, a live broadcast also get the the input for the people who come and experience uh a setting like this sure because like you said um it's just putting out there and then let the people yes. experience it and yeah 
make their own decision so it doesn't feel like you're pushing right. your... It's, it's thought-provoking. It's a, I like it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, one more thing. Please follow us on Twitter under Community Board Podcast. Under Community Board Podcast, also on iTunes, Community Board Podcast, on SoundCloud. You can find us under Community Board Podcast. Go on our Facebook page. It's called Community Board. You can find us there. Make sure you go on pages. And um, please contact us if you want to share information with the community. And we'll be here just pinning your message in our community board and stay tuned and come back on Sunday it's going to be beautiful 20 degrees you know (laughs) yes it is (laughs) alright bye bye see you later guys